we are out here standing up for women's rights because we believe that women's rights are human rights. We stand up for equity and equality in communities of color. We stand up for immigrants, union workers, and we stand for matters concerning environmental justice. We stand against the violence and exploitation of any and every vulnerable and marginalized population. We stand for justice. And when we stand up, we show up and we speak up. Good evening. My name is Reverend Leslie Dwight. I'm the Minister of Social Justice at Community of Hope AME Church. And I want to bring you greetings on behalf of our pastor, Reverend Tony Lee. We want to welcome you to this edition of the Hope Activism Institute's training. You are watching the first installment of a two-part series on music and the movement. We are excited to have with us tonight, Pastor Julian Desagier, also known as Jay Quest. He is changing the hip hop game with his music and he's here to talk to us about how music shapes a movement. But we won't just be focusing on music, we'll be focusing on the arts. So I advise you not to go anywhere, but stick right here. But before we get started, we must give honor where honor is due. For it was only a week ago that our community lost a legend, a legend in the form of the queen, Cicely Tyson. Cicely Tyson wasn't just a trailblazing actress, but she was also also an activist who was very active in the civil rights movement. So it's very fitting that as we begin this dialogue about music in the movement, that we consider the important role that the arts plays in our movement today. Stay tuned. So we are so excited to have with us Pastor Julian Desagier. Listen, you guys, he is one special person. He is a pastor by day, a rapper by night. He goes by J Quest with his music. He is an Emmy award-winning rap artist, but that's not just why we have him in this space today. He is a force to be reckoned with in this social justice movement. He's a well-educated, he comes to us from Morehouse College. And listen, just hold on to your seats because tonight we are gonna unpack music in the movement. Jay, how you doing? What's up? What's up, everybody? We are Good so to be here. well. We are so glad to uh, have you. Thank you so much for making time and your busy schedule. Look, we are on the heels of inauguration. What were your initial thoughts? Oh, I loved it. You know, it, it, for a little bit, it was like uh, no matter what, it's a special day because of what we were moving from and the, the energy that we were moving towards. Absolutely. Um, but I think, I, I don't know about anybody else. I mean, that, that sister Amanda Gorman, her poem, like I was just sitting there just chilling and then it blew me away. It woke me up, you know, it woke me up. Yeah, can, I we, loved talk, it. can we talk about it for a minute? Because everybody is still like talking about her poem. Everybody is still talking about the, the power of the words that she delivered that day. I almost want to say she outshined Joe Biden, almost maybe. I mean, yeah, I think so. Yeah. That was, that was, go ahead. I'm, I mean, that's just the power of art. That's, that's what art does. That's what um, music does and spoken word and poetry, that cadence and that rhythm opens up something different inside of the heart, you know? And so everybody, she didn't say anything that nobody's heard before, right? Like everything you had heard, but to hear it in that way, in that setting, when it was unexpected, you know, it, it, it's a shock to the system. And it's something that really makes you think about things differently. Her, her call to unity, her uh, calling out her story and, and sharing with the nation and world who she is, uh, not just as her as Amanda, but like 
as a black woman, as a young black woman, and what it means to be that in this country, uh, the hill we climb, you know, and yeah. so it's powerful, it's powerful, and and, and I, I appreciate her, and I think that uh, we're all going to get to know her a lot better. I'm so looking forward to it. I know she blew up overnight um, just, know, by, right? just by what she did Inauguration Day. But speaking of stories, let's talk about your story. I mean, we're not going to find very many pastors that are both pastors and Emmy Award-winning, you know, rappers. So tell us, how did you get to this space? Well, a lot of the, you know, the awards and other things come, but that's just happenstance, right? Like, I, for me, I'm just a, a child of hip-hop. I'm from that generation. That's who I am. That's uh, the first language that I learned. The first album that I memorized all the words to was Snoop Dogg, you know, um, like, so hip hop was just a way of me seeing and understanding the world. And then as I grew older, began to get an, an incredible appreciation for the church, not just for what it was talking about spiritually, but for what it was doing in the streets for people and for my family growing up and for how they showed up for me and my mom's, like, it made me really appreciative of the church as an institution, as a social agency, almost, you know, and so uh, the the older I got, I just, as I started to look at what was calling my name, mm -hmm. church just kept coming up again, not necessarily pastoring. I never thought that I would be pastoring seriously, but I wanted to serve the church and wanted to use my gifts and my life and my body to be able to, to help lift up these kinds of places and spaces that are lifting up people. And, and so uh, I ended up in the church and and, and I'm still here. It's been 10 years. But wow. at the same time, that whole music, uh, musical self doesn't go away. Like, that's still me. I'm always J Quest. It's like J Quest by day, J Quest by night. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> pastor by day, pastor by night. Like, yeah. those, those selves are always within me. And so I've been fortunate in University Church here in Chicago to find a space that lets me be who I am and lets me speak in my language because so many people go to church and aren't able to be themselves, are told to leave parts of their identity outside the door. We're not going to talk about that or whatever, right? But like people like really want to, to hear me do this thing, you know, and yeah. do this rap thing from the pulpit and, I, and get, it, it, it can be in some ways like the sister uh, Amanda, you know, where it's just like a shock when you hear somebody from the pulpit just start rapping. But that's who I am. That's how I do. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that because um, I've been reading this book called Coming Brave. And, you know, the author of the book, and I'll tell you her name in a minute, but she was talking about her experience doing some organizing work in Flint, Michigan. And she was talking about how she, her intention was to kind of just show up to be a listener and to do some reconciliation work. But her encounter was very different. When she came face to face with some of the protesters who were young millennials, uh, she talks about the friction that was happening between, you know, the friction of the movement and the church. And I bring this up because you talk about how, you know, in some spaces, you know, they want you to conform and leave pieces of yourself outside of the church. And the church was actually in this context being called on the carpet for being more exclusive, right? And keeping people outside the doors of the church and keeping, you know, their, their, our circle small and not really being open and and being a little bit hypocritical to uh what we say we stood for 
right? right. So what is your response to that? Do you have one? Yeah, no, I mean, that's not just happening in Flint. That's happened. I saw it in Ferguson. I saw it. I see it in Chicago all the time. Was a part of that tension in Chicago, New York, Atlanta. Like, there, that there are so many spaces where uh, a lot of people and a lot of churches believe that because they were the center of the movement in the 50s and 60s, that they are supposed to be the center of the movement today. And so when you see these activists and these young female bodies coming forward and saying, no, this is, this is going to be our movement, you know, that they're the most important voices in this movement, that you see a lot of, a lot of pushback from the church. And, and my response to them is always like, look, are, are we going to support this movement that's happening right now? Because it's a movement for justice. It's a movement for God. Um, they just aren't saying God as much, you know, they aren't in the church and it's not preachers, but they're still doing the work of God. Those are still the hands and feet of God. The body of Christ is still out there uh, pushing for justice and equity and freedom, you know, and, and are we going to support that or not? And so for me, being a young person who's able to exist in both spaces, who knows folks inside a church space, but also uh, knew a lot of these organizers because I was rapping because I was young. So had that reputation already. Like I've seen my role is trying to help mediate that and trying to help those folks talk to each other because they have a lot of wisdom to share with each other. But but to be clear, it is the church that has to do better listening to the folks who are on the streets right now, mm -hmm. um, because that's the way that we can best be the church. Yeah, that's good. So look, we're in Black History Month right now as this thing airs. Um, and we're going to hear a lot of the old Negro spirituals. And we're going to hear a lot of the songs in the movement, right? What's the first song that comes up in, the, in, in your head when you think about, you know, any of like the civil rights movement or any of the movements that help Black folk overcome? Uh, I'm probably like first is like We Shall Overcome yes. or something like that. Yes. But I also... Like, I love Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. I love the way that it connects mm -hmm. uh, from a Negro spiritual to, to Dr. Dre's Let Me Ride, you know, which <laughs> is Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, and, and Parliament Funkadelic in between, you know, like Mothership <laughs> Connection. Like, I love, I, I, I love how that song, like, is, is pure Black music through so many different uh, genres. It's like a song that exists in a time machine. You know, any any time in history it comes out, it can be relevant. So I, I love that song. We shall overcome. If I had a hammer, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness, uh, fight the power. You know, right, like, right. Is, right. Is, but can we is, talk about like if we go back to the inauguration? Can we talk about how I thought it was really interesting that Biden um, made Amazing Grace one of the cornerstones of his, of his yeah. whole inauguration? Yeah. I mean, from the time that, you know, he was doing the vigil um, the night before to recognize or memorialize really the, the victims of COVID to, you know, his actual ceremony to the actual concert afterwards. Like, it was very clear that he was making Amazing Grace a cornerstone um, of his movement and, or of his really administration. But it really makes me think about your music. So how do you think that your music um, shapes or helps to shape this movement that we're in right now? Well, I think it's, for me, it's about just telling my story and almost in the way that a lot of rappers are journalists. You know, you tell the story of what you see in the streets. Mm -hmm. um, and, and for me, it's about telling that story as well. And I already hear enough of the other stories. 
So like, what about these other stories of these people who don't have voices, who are struggling right now? How can I make sure that they're heard? And so I have songs that, that try to tell their story and try to, again, like all music, like all poetry, create a shock to the system to make people hear differently. I don't think I'm saying anything different than has ever been heard before. But my cadence, you know, over the beat and all of it, you know, like to do something that's purely and truly me, you know, is, is what I want to be my gift to the world, along with pastor and along with uh, being a father and a husband, you know, like all of those things I think matter and are important. And however we use our gifts, they find us an opportunity for us to be in the movement in a very specific and real and authentic and meaningful way. And so I just recognize that there are so many people talking right now, including me, because I preach on Sundays, right? Like there's, there's so many words and that the music, the movement needs art too. It needs painters and sculptors. It needs poets. It needs rappers and singers who are adding to this movement. It's not either or, it's both. You gotta have both. It's like folks uh, who, I know I first heard it, uh, from from Jeremiah Wright in Chicago, um, talking about like what the black church is and saying three things: it's preaching, it's music, and this the Holy Spirit. You know, and now probably everybody says that. You know, uh, and that's but that's real though. Like they all have to go together. It can't just be one. It's got to be the words. It's got to be the movement, and it's got to be a spirit that's carrying all of us to where we got to be. So before we started recording, you started talking to me about one of your songs that, you know, is I think speaks volumes to where we are in this movement. Tell us about it. Yeah, Black Man. That's one of those <laughs> songs, right? That like similar to, to, to the sister's poem, poem talking about being a Black woman. Like for me, the experience of being a Black man and what I notice and uh, sometimes the, the hypocrisy of how Black men are treated um, in this world, um, both seen as strong and necessary and viewed as inhuman, um, the ways in which the church often participates in that racism, in that dehumanization of people. I say, who you think came through bringing all them rifles? Who you think came through bringing all them Bibles? You know, like those, those all happen at the same time, you know, and that, and, and making the, the point that the church unfortunately has been a, a lot a large part of the supremacy uh, that we have to get rid of I'm not and, and now a lot of people have said now we got to get rid of the church and I'm not saying that I think there's a lot of good in the church but only if only if we can repent only if we can excise out uh, some of these things that that are not good about us whether it's the way in which we don't treat people in their full humanity or, or what have you but really given an opportunity uh, through that song for people to hear my my thoughts about the church and just what it means to be alive but still to be um, a part of this hip-hop you know like that's like for me it's always going to come down to um, to to being a part of hip-hop and, and trying to be a part of that canon as well of Public Enemy and Common and uh, Quali and most and the other artists who were like they were not just here for freedom, but they were some dope MCs too, you know, like, like it, the, the art mattered, you right. know? Um, and so, so that's definitely me as well, but so, so it's a, a fun record. It's a, I, I think a good record. So we're going to pause right here so that people can actually hear the words of the songs that you're talking about. Play the tape. Oh. 
gon' start a gang yeah. Call him Hoover or David, call him a shooter, call him a shooter. I wish she only load up on the computer, on the computer. I wish somebody cared about us young rulers King. I wish they stopped staring at us What it's like to be a black man Killing yourself, they chillin'. Soon as you talk black power, you a villain. Long as you stay in church, arguing no prescription. Cause soon as you touch mass, some money will get them. So that was a great song. So tell them where you can find where they can find more of your music. That is from my album Lemonade that came out. Listen, before Beyonce, all right? Lemonade before Beyonce. Um, and that came out, uh, yeah, close to five years ago, more maybe. And uh, you can find that everywhere, like wherever you listen to music, you know, Spotify, iTunes, uh, YouTube. If you want it for free, just holler at me. I don't care. Like the music you can have, you know, that I'm down for that. Well, you know how we do COH. Go out, go out and support them. Look up J-Quest and get that song, Black Man, on the Lemonade album. All right, so before you, we, you know, segue into your song, you kind of hit this hot topic, and I want to talk about it for a little bit. I want to tease it out just some. Um, you were talking about some of the things that the church needs to do and some of the things that the church needs to address in order to move forward. Before we do that, I want to kind of frame this in a, in a way that we talk about the intersectionality of faith and justice work. So when we talk about, or when I bring that up, um, the intersectionality of faith and justice, what comes to mind? I think it's, it's just recognizing that it's not either or, um, that there were so many people who said, I'm not going to go work in the church because the church doesn't do that work. So I'm going to go work for a nonprofit doing justice stuff over here and recognizing that uh, justice is one of the cornerstones of the gospel. It's one of the pillars of what Jesus talked about and and uh, asked his disciples to be about. And we as disciples uh, and those who try to be imitate, who want to be imitators, you know, and followers of Christ, uh, must also look at justice and freedom of the least of these. That Matthew twenty-five, you know, that like we can't do the gospel and cut that part out. And for so much of Christianity, you know, literally in the slave days, right, where they would like, like the masters would like give them Bibles and take Exodus out, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, the slave Bible, you know, so. We can't do that. And, and, and in so many ways, people still, you know, churches still operate with a slave Bible mentality. Uh, big praise and worship, big preaching, big, big church. But when it's time to talk about freedom, when it's time to talk about Exodus, when it's time to talk about let my people go, we don't know those parts, yeah. you know, and so... And you know what? And I think that um, one of the things that hit me this morning in my devotional time was that we can't preach Jesus and not preach justice. Like they go that's hand right. in hand with each other. That's right. And that's not just from a clergy perspective, even from um, the lay person, even from the congregants perspective, that when we go out and we're, you know, evangelizing and when we're talking about Jesus, we got to lift up justice because that's what Jesus stood for. Right. That's right. You know, it, that's right. That, and so I want to dig a little deeper because one of the things that I often find is that when I go into um, church spaces and, you know, we're having these kind of dialogues, there does have to come this painful moment of truth where we have to address the inequalities and the, and the inequities that we find in our own houses. 
And I'm not just talking about, you know, our specific, you know, house. I'm talking about the church as a universal church. We know that, you know, from um, the Black church perspective, that many of us have challenges with the white evangelical church. So, you know, as we talk about a church that's moving forward in justice, what do you see as the path forward when you have, you know, based two different bodies that, that say that we believe in the same God and we serve the same Jesus on polar opposite ends of the spectrum? How do we, how do we chart a path forward? I think one of the most important things that we can do, again, going back to Jesus, you know, is uh, where he talks about pointing out uh, the the speck in other people's eye while we got a log in our eye, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that as we are looking at systems that subjugate people, systems that oppress people, systems that deny people their dignity and rights, that we must also ask the question, how do I participate in these systems? How am I a part of this? How is my church a part of this and participating in white supremacy, even as a black church can be participating in systems that oppress, right? Yeah. Uh, can, can be about the capitalist exploitation of people, you know, can be about that kind of philosophy. And so always asking, are we about the work of freedom? Uh, do women feel free in our space? You know, and, and are, are they able to lead? And are they able to, to be free? Uh, in the way that we believe that God has called them to be. Do uh, disabled people and people of different personalities and sexualities and all that stuff, are people able to exist in the space and be who they are uh, without fear? Uh, because sometimes a lot of the abuse that happens is not just from the police, it's from the pastor, it's from the usher, it's from the deacons who see them and don't receive them as people that we don't understand that is that too is violence mm -hmm. that too is violence to people and so if we're going to be anti-violent let's not just march against the police let's, let's do that let's do that uh but let us also be looking at ourselves to say am i violent towards people and and are we violent towards people as well in the way that we practice yeah that's deep that's deep. I mean, I think we got to look across. I feel like we almost have to do kind of like a scan across our congregation and see, if our, and see if our congregation um, represents the diversity of the, of the world that we're called to minister to, right? And if it doesn't, I think that that's a good place for us to ask some tough questions about why certain populations don't exist within our communities. I will never forget that um, we were doing some community work, some organizing work. And um, I had to have a couple of conversations with some members who were a part of the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, and yeah. they were literally, this particular group was scared to come into the church, not because of anything that we've done, but because of their experiences with the church. They had been right. harmed. Um, they right. had been harmed in action, they had been harmed in word, and they didn't feel comfortable I'm so glad that the end of that story was that they felt comfortable when they walked into the doors of Community of Hope and they, they felt um, at home and they felt, you know, we, we have a saying at Community of Hope that we're the place where everybody has a chance, right? We don't care who you are, what you've done or who you did it with, whether you did it last night or woke up doing it this morning. Come on, COS, y'all need to say it with me. I know you're out there watching, <laughs> right? But I'm when right you step into our house, you know that you're in the right place at the right time to be all that God has called you to be. And so we literally live that out. And, but, I, but it broke my heart 
to know that, you know, there are people who had wanted to worship. There are people that have wanted to be in what we call a sacred space, and they have been um, from their perspective, violated in that space. And so as you kind of talk about, you know, being able to take the speck out of our own eye, we do have to begin with self. We do, we do. We want to thank Pastor Jay for stopping through tonight to talk to us about music and the movement. But this conversation was so deep that we can't just stop there. So be sure to tune in next week as we continue the conversation about music in the movement and how that platform has shaped some of the work that he's done in the community around activism. You don't want to miss this. See you next Thursday at 7 o'clock p.m.